Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming under Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, James. And I'm your co-host, Cassie, and we are Unashamed Unafraid. Cassie, how's it going? So good, James. Why is it so good? It's so good because we have the best. Okay, I'm. I shouldn't say the best, but they. I mean, we love all of our guests. We do. Th- these guys are amazing. They're amazing. Love these guys. So we have um, Chris and Kylie on with us today. Um, shared us. Shared with us their just amazing recovery stories we have substance abuse we have um sexual compulsion addiction in there um and their story of redemption um how god just reached into their lives and reached into their hearts and changed them Mm -hmm. the thing that i love about their story and that makes it like so exciting for me to hear their story is that kylie is a married woman who struggled with pornography and masturbation. And I think this is the first time we've had that dynamic on the show. Yeah. She start, She entered the marriage having that struggle and then was able to navigate that um, through her marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible story, the, the light that they have. And um, just just their passion for God and for serving people. Yeah. It's inspiring. Yeah. And they've got some great tips in here on, um, some recovery tools and, um, you know, some of the practical advice and some of the things that they've done and they're, they're fans of unashamed unafraid as well. So even better. So, uh, with that, let's get into the studio with Chris and Kylie. Cassie, how are you? Doing so good, James. Good. Welcome. And I want to welcome Chris and Kylie to the uh, podcast tonight. How are you guys? We're great. Yeah, Yeah. we're really good. We just came off of a worship night with our church, so we're feeling very, very filled. Yeah, invigorated tonight. Awesome. Thanks so much. Um, So what brings you here tonight to Unashamed Unafraid? I connected with Cassie back in the fall. We were uh, attending a online women's recovery summit and she just ended up chatting me and um, thanking me for my story. And then I got to hear her story, which was incredibly moving on your podcast and just, yeah, we connected on social media as well. And she reached out about sharing our story here. And so here we are. Awesome. Well, thank you and welcome. Um, so, well, let's kind of start there then. Tell us a little bit about, um, Kylie, tell us a little bit about your story and then and then we'll kind of pop over to Chris. Sure. Um, yeah, so I, I have struggled or had struggled with an addiction to pornography and masturbation for over a decade. So I started struggling when I was 18 and never once did I hear 
the testimony of a woman. I went to an evangelical Christian university uh, out in Virginia, 10,000 students. We'd have these huge chapels, big spiritual emphasis weeks. So pastors would come in and speak to the men, talking to them about uh, pornography and abstaining. And I just thought, okay, if there were other women struggling with this, someone would say something like someone would address that. And the fact that no one is addressing the women means that I am for sure the only one, like I will be the only one if I say anything. And so I continued struggling through college. I was on student leadership. So I was a prayer leader. I ended up um, leading those prayer leaders and um, and so like found myself really confused because I like love Jesus. I, I wanted to do the right thing. I, I hated that I struggled with this and yet I could not find freedom and I could not tell anyone. And so that cycle really just continued. I uh, met Chris when I was a freshman in college. We uh, got married after I graduated college and i thought marriage would fix everything right right i mean for sure the story we always tell ourselves oh well once we get married this will all go away yeah because in my head like i we could have sex whenever whenever i wanted and so you know i thought the my struggle with pornography and masturbation was about sex and so getting married would fix that well when we got married and it didn't that that so much more shame was like yeah. just heaped on me because I thought, what is wrong with me? Like, what is wrong with me that now I'm married and we can have sex? And I like, there is something really broken inside me. And again, like, I mean, Chris was a worship pastor at the time. I'm a pastor's wife. I, who could I tell <laughs> who yeah. in the world could I go to, to share this with? I, again, not hearing the story of any other woman. So really just continued to white knuckle it. And I would find, you know, I guess, um, sober periods, like three months, six months. And I'd think, okay, like I've, I have this figured out, right? Like I'm, I'm free. And then would find myself back in it, which was really discouraging. And I didn't understand why. And something that I have never heard a woman talk about yet. And so maybe I'm the first one who I have ever known. I struggled more when I was pregnant. So with each pregnancy, I struggled more and I have kind of unpacked that to, okay, I felt like a whale, <laughs> like, like my body image was already like warped in my head. And I'm here, I am feeling undesirable, you know, just all the things. And so instead of going to Chris, I would just turn to pornography and that that increased with every single pregnancy I had. And we have four boys. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, in hindsight now, um, what do you feel like? So I always, I always tell people that pornography isn't the problem. It's the solution. Meaning what was it solving for you? It was solving a deeper problem. Yeah. Right. It was, you were trying to fix something in a, in a maladaptive way, in a way that wasn't congruent with what your values were. It sounds like, so what was it solving for you in hindsight? What do you think that was about? Yeah, I felt undesirable. I felt uh, the pressure to look a certain way. I think because of 
like viewing pornography since I was 18, there was a specific body type of a woman that I thought I was supposed to look like. And I mm. very much did not look like that in that season. Um, just feeling like I wasn't enough. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't enough. And so viewing pornography helped you feel like you were enough or was it just a relief of the shame that you weren't? Just a relief of the shame that I wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so that kind of, that continued on literally for a decade. I mean, that just like that cycle, you know, rinse and repeat <laughs> and I'd have seasons of again, three, six months. And then I was pregnant again, or, or even not pregnant, just times of stress. And, you know, he'll share, he was going through his own addiction at the time. So I was also coping with, um, his addiction, um, which was a substance addiction, which was, uh, much more affecting our life, like his job and our livelihood. And in order to cope with that stress, I was also turning to pornography. Yeah. So I'm going to imagine that because you felt like you were the only person that struggled with, or the only female, I guess, that struggled with this. Um, were you talking openly about this, uh, compulsive behavior with your husband at all? No. Um, it wasn't even that I couldn't tell, cause I had told him early on in our marriage that that was something I struggled with. But once he really was in the depths of his own addiction, I just thought, I mean, what's the point? Like, like he can't even help himself. So yeah. what, what would be the point in me telling him, I will just fix this myself. I will just fix this myself. Yeah. And so that is the attitude I continued on with for a decade until I was 30 years old and I had had my fourth son and I just thought, this is insane. God gave me four boys, <laughs> like, yeah. which, you know, I mean, I had heard lots of stories about boys struggling with pornography and I was like, I just want to be, I want to be better than this. I want to be a better mom. I want to be a better wife. I want to break these chains of addiction in our family. And I want to say, boys, like, I get it. Like, let me tell you how I like, I so get it. And yet there is a different and better way. And so I, I just had this renewed, like, no, I'm going to start talking about this. I am going to find freedom. I started sharing with other so I'm gonna, women. I'm, I'm going to time out you right here, right at this point, at this turning point where all of a sudden everything changes, right? We get through this, this 10 year period, you come to this breaking point. It sounds like, right? Where something finally turns around. Awesome. Okay, we're going to pause right there. Chris, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your story. Um, sounds like, you know, some substance abuse and whatever. Give us a little bit about your background and what brought, you know, what you, a little bit about maybe growing up years or, or prior to getting married and then that 10-year that window as well for you. And, um, was it a 10 year window? Did you both change together or was it like she started way before, way after, as far as this pivotal moment? So kind of bring us into up to speed, um, kind of in parallel with where Kylie's at. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I started struggling with porn probably in middle school, I think, um, which I feel like is pretty, pretty common for a, a guy. Um, and I, I kind of hate to say this, but it's almost like, what haven't I been addicted to probably in my life? 
Um, I think I have an, a tendency toward addiction um, for whatever reason. And um, so I started struggling with that in middle school and high school. Um, and then I started struggling with substance abuse, probably it started with anxiety medication um, mm -hmm. first. And that would have been in 2011, I think. Um, I got diagnosed with anxiety. Um, and so started struggling with it then. And then eventually that moved into a painkiller addiction. Uh, and then even out of that, that moved into probably a period of alcohol addiction. Um, so it's like this progression just kept happening. I would, I would kind of overcome one thing, but never fix the root of the issue. And so it would, I would just move on to the next thing. And there's, there's honestly a part of it that I, I kind of don't love, but you know, people say that they use those things for like an escape and it, and it did start out that way. I was, I was kind of like, I don't like how I'm feeling. So I'd rather just feel nothing. Um, and, uh, but there was also honestly a part of that that was like, I also like the feeling. Well, yeah, that's why we, that's why we all, that's why we all do it. Cause it works. right pornography and masturbation it feels good like otherwise we wouldn't do it if it didn't work right yeah and, um and that's one of the things that like you know we kind of you know my age growing up don't do drugs and it's like they try to scare you but what a lot of the time was they don't say is and if you do i promise you're gonna like it right yeah you know and so and that's part of the problem is it's it feels super good yeah i would say that um <laughs> the kind of the root of all of those things was i would have been especially in middle school and high school. Um, I wasn't like popular, so to say, I wouldn't say I necessarily felt accepted, mm. um, at my school and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think I, even when I did get accepted later, cause it's, um, you know, like I'm the music guy who can sing and all that kind of stuff. So it's now it's actually kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, I'm cool or whatever. Um, but at, that unaccepted feeling, carried over even through that. Um, yeah. I was constantly trying to like impress people. Mm. Um, and so it allowed me, the addiction allowed me to not have to feel like I needed to impress people. Um, and it didn't, uh, or it allowed me to not feel like maybe I didn't impress them enough. Yeah. So for you, if I were to, if, you know, kind of ask the same question, what was it fixing or what was it solving for you? Uh, identity. Mm. um just an identity issue and it's um it's funny because it's even something that it's like working through parts of that even right now um yes with identity and so um just never feeling like uh like i was good enough right and so i, I could mask it absolutely so that that brings us kind of up to speed parallel process yeah right up to where we're at okay so there comes this, maybe tell us a little bit, of, did you have a rock bottom, Chris, where just like this was, I was out in the, whatever, my wife had kicked me out, I was sleeping in the gutter, like whatever that was, what was that rock bottom for you? Uh, I think the the biggest thing I, I think was uh, we, at one point, were planning to be missionaries to Thailand. Um and I was not healthy. And so Kylie made the decision at one point, she was like, 
we are not going to move our family. We had two, two boys at the time. So she was like, we are not going to move our family with you in an unhealthy place. And I got so mad, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause this was like my dream, uh, that I felt like God had like put in me. Um, and so I didn't talk to her for like three days probably. Um, and that had never happened before in our marriage. Um, and so I think just realizing that, uh, at that point, my addiction is causing me to not be able to step into the like authority and the calling that God has for me in a very tangible way. Mm-hmm. Kind of broke, like broke yeah. me. So, so it sounds like both of you came from yeah Christian backgrounds, raised in Christian homes. Were you were you act? Tell me a little bit about kind of your spiritual, I guess, life, or maybe. Um, just kind of what your spirituality kind of looked like, you know, up to that point. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, Parents went to church every Sunday and they were life group leaders and counseled a lot of couples who were having marriage problems. They were the, they were the people you called to walk you through that in really hard seasons. And we did everything together. I'm the oldest of four. So there were six of us. We went to church together. We traveled the country together. We had a really close family. And um, and then it was my senior year of high school where my parents separated after 20 years of marriage. And so that, you know, okay, so mom and dad. And how old were you? I was 18. And when did you start struggling with pornography? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> oh, how interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so that same year that they separated is when I looked at pornography for the first time. I had absolutely no way to process my thoughts and feelings. I like people were telling me you seem different. You seem like depressed or like not yourself. I didn't understand what that meant. I, um, yeah, just shoved all the pain down and then started becoming, you know, curious about porn and then really just used that to mask that family. A family wound. I mean, you know, and Chris, you had talked about, it was really identity and Kylie, it sounds like kind of yours came down to identity as well, right? You felt like you had to fit into a certain identity mold, whether that was externally by looks. Um, Well, and I always felt like uh, my needs were not important. And no one ever said that to me growing up, like my parents would never, ever say like, your needs are not important. But I'm the oldest of four, right? Like when the family is in crisis, who is pulling us together? me. So my problems and the things that I am walking through, they are not as important as everyone else's. So, you know, knock myself down a little bit on the ladder. And um, yeah, I just always felt like my needs are just not important. What I, what I need is I can't say how I feel. I can't say what I need because it's not important here. I think Kylie, what was your relationship with God like at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I had followed the Lord my whole life. You know, I was like in the word and reading and I was like so hungry for him. 
when my parents got divorced, I felt so disappointed by God. Like, Mm -hmm. how would you allow two people who love you and this family who loves you to do this? And my dad really checked out in that season. And I remember so clearly there was a night where I was, um, at our farmhouse and our farm was really creepy when you're by yourself. Like, so I'm used to growing up with a family of six and there's always people in the house and it's always loud. And all of a sudden I'm the only one there. And, and mom and the two youngest had already moved out and my sister was gone with friends and I had no idea where my dad was. And I was sitting on my bed and I was so scared. I was like physically scared because it was just like creepy. Like it was a big farm and it's dark. And I was just like physically scared. And I will never forget like the Lord in his kindness. He was so kind. And it was such a clear moment where he was like, I will never leave you. I will never disappoint you. And, um, I, I like, I believed him in that moment, but I didn't live like I believed him. Like I wanted to believe him. I wanted to believe that that was true. And yet I had this earthly father who did let me down and he did disappoint me and he did break our family, you know, I, in, and, um, yeah. And so it really, as I look back, it was a decade of like learning to live. Like I believed that that was true, that God would never leave me. And Chris, who is God for you? Yeah. Um, I, my parents are like, they're Christians, but uh, my dad grew up Baptist. My mom grew up Pentecostal. Um, if anything, we went off and on to my mom's church every now and then. My dad didn't really go with us very often. Uh, so at 12 years old, I actually started like riding my bike to church with friends. Um, so I kind of started my like real journey with God, like on my own. Um, and so for me, God was like, I wasn't really being taught a ton um, from family about who he was or anything. And so it was kind of like, I would get the teaching from church and stuff like that. But then there was also just a lot of just him revealing himself like to me. Um, and so I wouldn't say I was definitely not as close back then as I am now. Um, you know, I was figuring all that out and what that looked like, but you know, I, again, started going to church by myself when I was 12 and I became a Christian when I was 15 and I got called to be a worship leader when I was 16 um, and so from that moment on, it's, I knew what my path was, um, was to be a worship leader. And so, um, yeah, God has definitely always been like Kylie said, extremely kind and gracious, um, to me and even how she responds to me in moments where I'm like struggling. So what was that like for you, um, being a worship leader and dealing with addiction? Good question. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. I was so like, I was so deep into it that, you know, if I can just be blunt, like I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it didn't bother me. I, you know, I would, I was always worried about like, what if someone finds out for mm-hmm. sure? Um, but as far as like, did I care enough to make me stop? No. Mm-hmm. So it was a weird, I, I, I compartmentalized it. Um, cause I also looking back, like now I would say differently, but I would say at the time I didn't think it affected how I led 
Mm. Um, and so I just made it two separate things. Mm. So we come to a point where things start to turn around. What changes? When, when does it all of a sudden the lights turn on, so to speak, and things start turning around? Let's go back over to you, Kylie. Um, well, in the timeline, his lights turned on first. So, okay. <laughs> he just did a fist pump for those of you listeners. <laughs> so his, his lights went off about three years before mine did. Um, okay. I don't know if you want to share that. Sure. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. I, I distinctly do remember, um, I was contract worship leading at a church and, uh, so I wasn't leading full time, but I remember Kylie telling me the story that I like was there and I was uh, like on a pain medication and uh, leading. And Kylie was just saying that she she was like talking to the pastor and um, mm. she was just like, he's not like he's not OK. Like he's I mean, he's up there like basically high right now, like leading this. And the pastor was just like, you'll be OK like he'll get through it he'll be okay mm. um and i think once finding out that like he found out and then didn't like have this crazy reaction and then believed that i could get through it helped me believe myself that i could get through it um i felt supported um and so um yeah i just i distinctly remember because here's the thing, like I said, I've been addicted to multiple things throughout my life. And so I've had different moments of how I've gotten through a specific addiction. Um, you know, I, with the anxiety and depression medication, we were at a passion concert and we're singing in Christ alone. And I just heard God in the moment. He was just like, put it down. Mm. He's like, you don't need it. Just put it down. Um, and so from that point on, like I went into counseling and things like that, but I never touched depression and anxiety medication again. So you trusted God when he said, put it down. I did. Um, and then failed in that trust when I picked up the pain medication. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Mm -hmm. But you started the journey of getting help. But I started the journey. I started counseling. Um, we did marriage counseling as well. Um, mm -hmm. And I would say that um, I honestly would say that I don't think I was fully healed until we shared our story mm -hmm. with our church mm -hmm. as like a video. Um, and it was, you know, I had shared my story from the stage and things like that. And every time I shared my story, yeah. um, it was like the door for Satan to be able to come back in was closing more and more mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because he doesn't want, he doesn't want us to share our story. And so mm -hmm. the more that I share it, it's like, I'm taking his power away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so once we shared our story in that bumper video, it's like, I mean, that went out to, we're a church of 17,000 people. And so, you know, it was that kind of like that slammed the door that moment. Mm -hmm. So so Kylie. <laughs> yeah. So had our fourth son kind of had that moment where I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to be this kind of mom. I want to be the mom when my boys start to struggle or have a thought or are unsure or like, I want to be able to walk them through this 
from a place of victory. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I just got really serious about, all right, what do I need to do? Um, I entered a residency program at our church. So I was on a leadership track. So I was reading all these books and I was like, what kind of person do I want to be, you know, 10 years from now? And so, okay, if I want to be that person, then I need to do these things. And so I'm going to cut out, you know, TV. So I stopped watching TV. I stopped watching shows. I stopped, you know, it's like, I'm reading, I'm in the word. I set a daily quiet time every single morning, didn't miss, woke up. I was in the word of God, like every single day, um, starting off my day that way, feeding my soul. And then I, so that's like, you know, six months in, then I pick up a book called true freedom by my friend Landon Porter. And it's a 26 week, um, book on, you know, basically on it's like the 12 steps broken down into five choices. And I started that book and I was like, wow, no one has ever asked me these questions. Nobody has ever asked me like, you know, why, what are the thoughts and feelings that I'm leaving unchecked? What is it exactly that I'm trying to, um, minimize or the pain that I'm shoving down. Like what, and who do I need to apologize to? I was like, I don't need to apologize to anyone. My addiction doesn't affect anyone. Right. Um, wrong. And so I had to get really accountable. Um, that's another thing in that book. I thought accountability was like you sitting across from me and saying, all right, Kylie, go ahead and tell me how you messed up this week. That is literally how I had viewed accountability my entire life. And through this book, I, I learned that like, I am accountable first to myself that when I have a thought, I have to be accountable enough to say, mm, that is not going to lead to righteousness. That is not going to lead anywhere good. And so I need to, what do I need to do? I need to either confess it or confess it to my accountability partner, but I'm not waiting on somebody to sit across from the table from me or check my covenant eyes app. Or like, you know, I am taking responsibility for my own thoughts and feelings. I'm like, what? This is like, why hasn't anyone taught me this before? Yeah. I didn't have the luxury of sitting in an addiction recovery class with other men. Like I, I had never sat in a, this is all novel. Like this is blowing my mind, right? I'm like, they teach these guys that there isn't anything like this for women, um, which the book. And it's still hard to find for women. I know, I know. And so, um, So I did that 26 week class and then got to the end of it. And Landon was like, you need to launch one for your, for the women at your campus. I was like, well, uh, it's just me right now. Right. Like there's 800, (laughs) there's 800 adults at our campus and I'm the only one with my story. But statistically we knew that that, that's not true. Like straight up statistically, we knew that 30% of the women in that room had also struggled with a sexual addiction. Mm -hmm. No one had ever shared their story. And so my campus pastor said, well, why don't you just share your story from the stage, you know, next weekend? I was like, oh, yeah, just like super casually, like, uh, you know, it's like a joke, like, hey, you know, we're going to do an icebreaker, which is, you know, share your greatest sin struggle. Only like this is that like I am standing on stage in front of 800 people sharing my greatest sin struggle. And 
it was amazing. <laughs> like I, and, and like Satan tried so hard. I mean, I, I, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to pass out <laughs> the, like the moments leading up to me sharing this. Satan was saying, if you share this, you will never have a place at the table. Again, no one will ever accept you. No one will ever love you or respect you. And it makes me so emotional because I know that's how other women feel or, or just people in general that like, if you share this, no one will ever look at you the same way ever. And, um, man, I am so glad that, yeah, that we have pastors who believe in us and believe in recovery because I stood on that stage and we had a time of prayer after, and the line of women waiting to talk to me was like, oh my gosh, I, I, I didn't even count that day, but I was talking to women who struggle with substance abuse addictions and sexual addictions and like just finding freedom to say, wow, me too. Thank you for sharing your story. And so we started this group um, in January of 2021 and we had um, eight women come faithfully. And so we, you know, launched the first women's recovery group at our church of 17,000 people. Like, how is that even possible that there's never been a women's recovery group until, yeah. I mean, it just, well, and at the time, uh, there were only eight that were struggling, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so I just, like what Chris said, every time we share our story, it loses, Satan loses that, the shame that yeah. he holds over you. Because I stand, um, I am redeemed. I am, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And so I just, I would like repeat that myself all the time. Um, and yeah. And so honestly, like after sharing our story, it just cemented my recovery, working through that 26 weeks, then taking a group of women through it. I yeah. just felt there's just no point anymore. Like, I'm like, no, I, I have got to get this out. Women need to understand this and you can be free. And so yeah. I just don't have time for pornography anymore. It's like, there's so much fullness and goodness that God has for you. I, yeah, I just wouldn't, I can't ever go back. Yeah. I can never go back. Have, have you, have you contract, have you struggled at all since? Um, or what was that kind of the, the integration and letting, leaving it behind? What's that been like for you? Yeah. So I have struggled in my thoughts which is frustrating because, you know, I just think, man, haven't I sat with Jesus long enough? Haven't I like, been in the word that like my mind would be sanctified now and yet it's not. And so I would just repent of those thoughts that honestly I put there a, a long time ago. Right. And then, and, um, and then I would confess them to a girlfriend. I have a couple of close friends who I confide in, um, just to say, Hey, I had this thought and I'm going to tell you so that it doesn't take root. Yeah, yeah. And, and it doesn't like, it doesn't take root. If I just can, if I'm quick to confess it. Right. It's just surrendering early. Yeah. And then there's no shame. You know, these, these are friends who aren't like, Oh, I can't believe you're there. There's like, thank you for telling me. Yeah. Are you and in I the think... All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Gassy. Well, I was just going to say, I think that, um, you know, when we have those thoughts, it's like that is evidence of us being in the world and then choosing not to act on them is evidence of us choosing not to be of the world. 
And so I, I think it's a totally just normal human experience. And I think it's beautiful how you handle it. Yeah. But so behaviorally, really, since that confession, it felt like you were able to really close the door on the behavior. Yes. That's awesome. 100%. Yeah. So it's been, it was three years in September. So like three years, three months. Free awesome. and sober. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We're, we're yes. giving you a hand. We're all giving you a hand over here. Thank That's awesome. Um, Chris. Yeah. Uh, substance abuse came back still, even after some confession, it sounds like painkillers came back into the story. Um, what's been help? What's helped you to kind of close the door on that? Or, or is it still a struggle here and here and there for you? Where are you, where are you at in that journey for you? Yeah, no, uh, I, I haven't struggled with painkiller addiction for a long time. Um, I even at one point I had my second shoulder surgery in 2018 and I took a, a pain medication the night of after the surgery. And then I woke up the next morning and, and this was obviously all God, but I didn't feel pain. So I didn't need to take like medication again. I think yeah. it was just more protecting, like protecting me, um, from that. And so, um, I had my last pain pill ever in 2018. Um, and That's so awesome. now I just like, I know what it will do. And, and so anytime something comes up, I'm just, I, I just say, no, what I'm just, yeah. yeah, there's a part of it. It's just, I say no, but I know that, you know, I've made such progress as a leader and who I am as a worship pastor that, um, I know that if I step back into it, that progress is going to get kind of go away a little bit. And so I don't want that to happen because it's like, I feel so close and I feel so, um, just like I'm living out my calling the way God wants me to live it out. And I'm still learning and I'm still growing. Right. right. Um, but that I'm living it out in the fullness of who he is now. And so now it's like, I don't ever want to lose that. Yeah. So who is he to you now? Who has he become and what's your relationship like with him now? And who, who is he to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, he, for me, like he is a father, like he is a friend, he is a supporter. Um, and honestly, like he's an encourager. He, he's a pusher. Like he pushes me outside my comfort zones, um, which is how I'm able to grow as a leader. Um, and all of those things. And I know that, um, just like Kylie said, like there is no condemnation for anything um that i've done or that's happened and so um he is all of those things um and more and who is god to you now kylie uh he is a friend and um my provider and redeemer he has lavished more goodness in my life than i even deserve like we talk a lot about how it would have been more than enough for him to just deliver us from our addiction. But then he restored back to us the things that we had broken, like our ministry and our marriage. And he did not have to do that. That is a lavish gift. Like he's just so kind. And I am in awe that he uses our brokenness for his glory. Um, like it blows my mind every time. Yeah. Beauty for ashes, right? Yeah. Well, and I, I also think of the 
everything being wrapped up in identity that, um, you know, it's now I can look at it and I can say like, I'm enough because he made me. Yeah. I was just going to go there. Who are you now, Chris? And who are you now, Kylie? Because both of those, they started out with identity issues, right? Before I wasn't enough. And before I wasn't pretty enough, I wasn't enough. Who are you now? Because God and and because Jesus has come into your life, who are you now? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I it's we just listened to a sermon this past week, actually, and I, I so I now have this like note card on my mirror that says, uh, "You are not an orphan," um, and it's just this idea. You know, there's this thing out there called the orphan spirit, but we heard it differently that it's an orphan heart because you're choosing to not believe that you're enough or that God yeah. made you not enough and so now that that reminder is just there it's like i'm not an orphan i am enough because i'm a son like mm-hmm. i'm a son most high king and he has gifted me in a unique way and has mm-hmm. called things out in me in a unique way that um i was telling our team tonight like you know we're called to be a kingdom of priests but and it's like that's not a burden that's heavy or anything like that that's a weight of of honor mm-hmm. um and so yeah Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I am also enough. That is something the Lord reminds me of often that I have enough, that he is enough and that I am enough um, and that I am loved and highly favored mm-hmm. over it. I am loved and highly favored. I am loved and highly favored. And yeah, I'm grateful. Beautiful. Love that. Our God is an abundant God, right? He He works in an economy of abundance and goodness. And you live out of that abundance and acceptance. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it, as we start to wrap things up here, we usually like to wrap stuff up with a song. So if there was a song that you would say represent was representative of your recovery, of your journey, or of you as a couple, of of him, what what would be that song that you would put out there to the world to just say this this is the song that is? Yeah, it's hard for us to choose because worship leaders, you know, I get it, I get it. <laughs> There's like so many. It's how we connect with God, right. and so I feel like there's just a never ending. Like I have a whole playlist, you know. Yeah. Uh, but one song that has meant a lot is where i'm standing by phil wickham and uh brandon lake mm-hmm. and just that like i stand on the chain breaking miracle making powerful name of jesus um looking back on our life it we made a mess of it we really did and yet um here we are and he has redeemed our story and chooses to use us and um, we are only standing where we are because of him. That's awesome. So Chris, Kylie, um, how can people find you? Um, do you have some social media or uh, a Facebook page or a book that you've written or anything cool? Or where can they just find your church and come and worship with you? So I'm on social media. It's just my name, Kylie Prismond. Uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I haven't figured out TikTok or anything yet. So Instagram and Facebook are a great way to reach out to me. And then I am in the process of writing 
a resource for women. I'm halfway done. I would love to have it done by this summer and uh, hopefully we'll see that published. So uh, yeah, that's how you can connect with me. As far as connecting with Chris. I, I have accounts. How often I look at them is a different story. Um, but I, if, if, if we have listeners in the area, where could they find you and come and worship with you? Yeah. Um, so we are at Northview Church in Fishers, Indiana. Um, and so if you just, there are so many campuses. So if you just Google Northview Church Fishers campus, that will be yeah where we are. And we have services awesome. at 8.30 a.m., 10.15 a.m. and 12 p.m. noon. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. And Kylie, if you finish your book by the summer, your pod, your episode may not publish till then anyway. So if that's the case, uh, please let us know. We will put a link to that resource in the show notes. Do you know what it's going to be called? What the title of it is? I think I want to call it Women's Struggle 2. And uh, yeah, we I have a long ways to go, but I've also come a long ways. And so I've only been writing since April just really stepping out in obedience. I don't want to write a book. I don't want to be a, I don't want to. And yet the Lord keeps saying, write it down, write it down. Women need this. There aren't enough resources. There really are. Yes, they do. There aren't. Uh, So please, yes, please keep following that call. Uh, So for you listeners, thank you for joining us on the show. Uh, Please hop on to iTunes and rate us with five stars because that's how the world can find us. And um, Chris and Kylie, thank you so much for joining us for the show. Um, you guys are going to stick around. We're going to do some bonus content after that, where you'll be able to talk about anything that we didn't cover. Uh, maybe your soapbox, if you just got a, like a, a passion thing that you just like got to tell the world and, uh, give you, you know, uh, some more time on that platform. Um, and so for now we will close out with where I'm standing by Phil Wickham and Brandon Lake. Out of the wilderness Into your deliverance Look where I'm standing now These hands that once were chained Now lifted high in praise Look where I'm standing now Look where I'm standing now 
Say